0: Welcome to Hive Mind the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I am Meg Walter on Zoom again with Eli McCann. Eli, good to see you. How are you?
1: Hey, nice to see you too. Great.
0: Everything's great. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe you. Um, before we get into today's episode, we have a little bit of housekeeping to cover. First thing, you can subscribe to the Hivemind newsletter at hivemind.substack.com. That is where you can find all of our recaps. Um, we're doing a lot of Real Housewives recaps for this season. It's where you can find links to all of the episodes we're doing on Hivemind, as well as a roundup of other pop culture-related content from around the internet. Um, again, that's HiveMind.Substack. Dot com, great way to support us here at hive mind. Thank you so much. Um, also you may have noticed there's some, a lot going on with our hive mind feed. So just so you're aware, what we have on hive mind right now is essentially three different shows. Uh, we have hive mind proper, which is Eli and I talking about, prestige movies prestige shows and also our favorites from the 90s and beyond um that's what you're listening to right now we also have the green room emily king and i talking about trash tv uh more specifically real housewives again and trash talk where irene and i talk about all things bachelor related now we indicate what kind of episode it is in the title so if you're not interested in housewives skip green room if you're not interested in the bachelor skip trash talk uh we do have feeds set up for those we Will eventually break them away and do their own program, but for the time being, they will be available on the Hive Mind feed. Whew. Whoa! Okay, hmm. I know. I feel like I ran a marathon. Yeah. Eli, what have you been watching?
1: All right, I know that you and Emily talked about it on uh, the green room, so I'll be brief. But I did actually watch the first episode of The Real Housewives <laughs> of Salt Lake City, and boy, was it an eye-opening experience for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I had never, I'd never seen an episode of the real housewives of any sort and I had no interest in it and still have no interest in the show, but I sort of felt like I have to watch it because it's our, it's, you know, being filmed here and we've run in, Skylar and I ran into like the filming of it on two separate occasions. And so it felt very, very close to home to us. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah, everybody should go listen to the Green Room episode because Meg and Emily uh, do a fantastic job recapping the first episode and making fun of it. And I will just say, I don't know what this show is. I don't understand what the purpose is. Uh, None of these women are like truly Utah, like representative of the state that I grew up in. So I'm not sure where they even found them, Um, but it's a wild ride.
0: It so. is a wild ride is a really good way to describe it. Um, I, I wrote a recap of the first episode that you can find on the beehive.com. Um, one of the housewives is aware of it. <laughs> like the, the scary thing about this is like these people live where we live. Mm-hmm. And so the content we make surrounding the show can be found by them. And that kind of has me on edge a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's a truly, truly wild experience to watch. It's kind of like bizarro Utah, where you're like, I live in the same place these people do, but on a completely different planet. Yeah.
1: I think that, that feels about right. Did the, the reaction, did you get a negative reaction out of that or something? The person who found it?
0: No, but she commented on Instagram. So one of the housewives commented on Instagram. So I just feel like I need to be careful while also you know writing honestly about how insane this show is
1: (laughs) it's so bad
0: that's a that's a you know walking on eggshells a little bit what else have you been watching yeah
1: so i started scientology and the aftermath which is a series on netflix
0: with the king of queen's wife
1: yes um leah ramini or something i don't know how to say her name the
0: queen of queens if you will
1: queen of queens i really like her i mean i think she's you know she seems like a good time I think I overestimated how interested I still am in Scientology. Because I watched that documentary that you recommended to me a few months ago. I forget yeah. what that one was called, but like the big one that everybody watched. Going Clear. Going Clear. And, and I was very interested in that. And I think maybe I got everything I wanted out of that because I got like, I've watched one episode of this series and I was having a hard time paying attention because I just, I don't care enough anymore. But if you are into, if you're very interested in Scientology and some of like the CD stories around it and it's a thing that you can't have too much content around, then I would recommend it. It's well-produced. They interview people who like escaped um, Scientology and, and you hear their stories and it's it's fine. It's on Netflix. Um, and then for finally, and I know we're going to talk about this next week, but uh, I am burning my way through the crown and boy, oh boy, did I did not realize how much I needed the story of princess Diana in my life. Um, And it it's been kind of extra fun to watch because I did just finish the series of episodes of the podcast. You're wrong about where they go through princess Diana's life. And so I I didn't honestly know very much about her before listening to the, those podcast episodes. And so it's kind of fun to see a depiction on the crown that kind of matches the historical context that I just got. So I'd recommend if you haven't done it, go listen to those um, episodes of the You're Wrong About podcast and then check out the crown. This show is just still as awesome as it's always been. I love it.
0: Yeah, uh, that's also the only thing I've been watching. I'm rolling six episodes deep. They're yep. an hour long each and they released them yesterday. So do the math. <laughs> um, I People said they didn't like season three as much as the previous two seasons. I loved season three and mm-hmm. season four feels like an improvement on season three. The Princess Diana stuff is so compelling. And for the first time in the show, I remember things about this. It's becoming more relevant to those of us who are younger. Uh, Um, I remember the day princess Diana died Mm -hmm. and how incredibly shocking that was. I feel like the actor who is portraying Diana is phenomenal. I feel like everyone in the show is phenomenal. I feel like Gillian Anderson as Margaret Thatcher is a revelation. Uh, Yeah. I think she's doing a really, really good Margaret Thatcher. No offense to your favorite movie in the whole entire world, The Iron Lady, but. (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) I think it's really well done.
1: Meryl was a great Margaret as well. We can have two good Margarets is what I'm saying.
0: All right. Um, Yeah, we are going to talk about it more next week, so I will stop gushing. Uh, But I feel like I'm going to polish off the season tonight. Anything else from you that you've been watching?
1: That's it for me. Anything from you?
0: No, that's it for me too. So let's get into it. You made me watch my girl this week.
1: I made you. I am so sorry.
0: I'm <laughs> Listen. Listen, you sit down, you start this movie and you're like, "Oh, this is a fun 90s romp. It's got the classic like piano little score. Yeah. It's got the gauzy kind of dreamlike cinematography. Mm. It's warm and comf- comforting." Yeah. By the end of this movie, I was a. How do I even like? I was just tears on a couch.
1: Well, Macaulay Culkin dies of bees.
0: I I mean, mean, the cutest child with the the cutest cutest little glasses. Why? Who wrote? Who? said you know what we need more of in this world sadness
1: we need Macaulay Culkin to die of bees so you know what's so interesting is Macaulay Culkin I think is like one or two years older than me and I grew I was very jealous of him as a child because he just he
0: he was in a Michael Jackson video I
1: mean well he was I mean he was the child star of the early 90s and I was I had this raging jealousy about Macaulay Culkin's life but because he was a year or two older than me I didn't get to experience Macaulay Culkin as an adorable child in the 90s, I like experienced him as a peer. And it's funny to now go back and watch these movies that he's in in the early 90s and just be like, that is the cutest kid who has ever lived. Like he is so incredibly charming and you just wanna take him home and raise him as your own. I love Macaulay Culkin in this movie. Star cast, like the whole cast, uh, the main cast is very, very good. And so, I don't know. I know that I made you watch a thing that turned you into a sobbing mess on the couch, but this is a pretty good rewatch, don't you think?
0: I think it's a good movie. I just had a hard time. Uh, And part of that is because I, (laughs) Eli, I don't do well with death. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't like to think about it often. I've kind of come to terms with, like, I just shouldn't really dwell on the fact that I will someday die because it takes me to a pretty dark place as I think it does for a lot of people so like the embalming stuff in this (laughs) actually upset me way more than I was expecting the funeral home aspect of it I was like I like this movie but this movie is also making me feel things I don't really want to feel does Uh. that make sense
1: yeah, I can see that. I don't I guess maybe I like death and maybe that's the difference. <laughs> but like the the whole movie felt very nostalgic to me, like a two two layers of nostalgia. One nostalgia for my childhood because this was like a big movie for for our age group in the early 90s. And then also even though I wasn't alive in the 70s, they do such a good job capturing just like that small town friendly feel the set is really, really good. The costuming is really, really good. And I feel a nostalgia for that period. I I wanna get on a bike and ride it through a Pennsylvania town in 1971. I just think, so I, this movie to me is like a warm blanket being wrapped around you and then filled with bees and then you die from bees. That's what this movie is for me.
0: just poor veda like how much death should one child have to process not only did she lose her mom she's also growing up in a funeral home where there are dead bodies in the basement all the time and then she loses her only and best friend
1: yeah there's a lot of kind of chaotic dark chaotic energy around that the main character um, and I think this is really interesting, and I one of the reasons why I really like this movie is you and I have talked about how there are not, and historically have not been, a lot of coming-of-age movies for girls, about girls. It's, you get a million of these for boys, and we talked about Lady Bird, and one of the reasons why Lady Bird is such a, a great film is because they they let you experience a coming of age story with a character that's not this like little princessy you know character that Hollywood might typically thrust upon you if they're finally going to give a part to a to a girl and i like that my girl they they let this be a movie about a girl who is kind of dark but she's also really sweet and she's got these this com- complexity and she's growing up in an environment that is bringing out some of those dark aspects of her and promoting them and whatever else. And I don't know, I I just found it like actually kind of ahead of its time in terms of presenting a coming of age story about an 11-year-old girl that is not simple. Um mm. and and the the child that they got to play this part Anna what how do you say your last Klumsky. name? Klumsky. She's great. I mean, she is a really, really good child actor, and she really sells that like multi-layered 11-year-old girl trying to figure out who she is as she's about to become a teenager. She sells it really well.
0: You know, I listened to a podcast interview with Anna Klumski, um, who we now know as Amy from V. Ve- Um, And it was a podcast interview about not only her performance on Veep, but what it was like to be a child star Um, and then kind of disappear for a while, which she did. She did My Girl, she did My Girl too, and then she went off the radar until Veep. Well, actually, until In the Loop, and then Armando Iannucci cast her for Veep as well. It's kind of the tragic story we hear over and over again where she was this bright young star and she had so much potential and then she started to get older and she hit puberty and she gained weight and as you know girls do in puberty
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, and no one would cast her Uh, Mm -hmm. and it took her a really long time to gain back her confidence Uh, and even start auditioning for roles again, because people had been so brutal to her in the auditioning process. Um, While the movie's ahead of its time, and I agree with that, I wish that the industry had matched that, you know, Mm -hmm. and done more for this woman who was so clearly gifted. She's incredible in this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She is. It, the, she and Macaulay Culkin are a perfect pairing. And this is coming from somebody who I am allergic to child actors. I think most child actors are terrible, but they got two great kids for this movie and they are very good together. They're, they're, Uh, they're adorable. They're so innocent and sweet. Their chemistry with one another is really, really compelling. The rest of the kids in this movie suck. Like (laughs) the rest rest of the kids (laughs) are like on another planet in terms of talent and there's like there's this scene that even when i was a kid i was like ooh, this is cheesy where it, it's like the people who wrote the bullies they're you know a couple of a few girls that bully data and mm-hmm. It was like a bunch of adults sitting around a writer's room who have never actually met a child before and so there's this scene where the girls are walking by and they're like they and McCulaley Colkin sitting in a tree
0: yes I am Thomas J oh, her little boyfriend he is not my boyfriend I bet you kissed him on the lips
1: do you think I kissed that ugly old thing yeah, anyway. Come on, let's go. Judy's father owns the Bijou Theater, and we get to see all the movies we want
0: for free. Maybe you can come sometime. Ew, don't invite her. She'll have to bring her boyfriend.
1: Beta and Thomas sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G nice mean girl is like trailing behind them with her hands behind her back like very slowly walking and looking apologetic and it is the cheesiest cheesiest scene i have ever seen um so the the rest of the kids suck but the the court cast these two kids and then her basically her parents are really fantastic we need to talk about jamie lee curtis because jamie lee curtis is a national treasure
0: she is a national treasure um interesting that this is the second movie she and dan Aykroyd did together um trading places being the first which is a very very different movie than this Hmm. but i actually really dug their chemistry in this like you would never in a million years put those two people together but it really works and Jamie Lee Curtis really sells it, which like she's dating schlubby Dan Aykroyd, who I think they had like gain weight for this part and made him look really dorky. And you believe that she's falling in love with this funeral yeah. home director. It's incredible.
1: she Jamie Lee Curtis always to me has this vibe like she's your cool aunt who will understand you when your parents don't, but then she'll also help you understand your parents. Like that's the Jamie Lee Curtis vibe. Like she's the person who's kind of gonna be there and help smooth things out and make sure everything's okay. I want her in my life, like the actual Jamie Lee Curtis in my life. I was, so there's like this one thing I've, I always think about with Jamie Lee Curtis years and years ago somebody was doing an interview on a late night talk show. And I can't remember if it was Lindsay Lohan or Natalie Portman. It was like one of the two of them. I think it was Lindsay Lohan. And she was talking about having met Jamie Lee Curtis when she was really young and was like getting parts in in movies. And Jamie Lee Curtis was like, this is such a, let me give you some unsolicited advice. And she said, we are so Fortunate and so lucky that we get to do this because a lot of people want to do this for a career, for their job. It's a fun job to have. And she said, My advice to you is to keep in mind that no matter how many movies you're in, and no matter how much money you make, and no matter how many awards you win, if you get to the end of your life and you're a less empathetic person than you are now, then your career was not a success. And I think about that like in any industry, I think that's like good advice. But I feel like that kind of mentality or whatever that is, that warmness comes through every time I see her on screen. I feel like she is portraying these characters so well. And part of it is because I think she's like actually genuinely a good person who is like trying to maintain that, you know, groundedness that she has. And she's, she is really one of the best parts of this movie to me. You know, every- oh. Yeah. every scene that she's in, you're just like, yes, please keep talking. Like, let's, let's just make this movie about the relationship between Anna Klumsky and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. I would be perfectly happy with that.
0: Oh yeah. I think that without Jamie Lee Curtis, this is a C movie, but she elevates it Yeah, really, really uh, effectively. Yeah. I, and in my mind, this is actually more of the story of Jamie Lee Curtis than it is Anna Klumsky. Like the whole Back half of this movie, up until Thomas Jay's death, is really about Jamie Lee Curtis um, mm. navigating her life, about to become a stepmom to someone, um, and handling it with just a plum, like just level-headed, the person that um, Veda needs her to be. Mm. Eli, did you have a crush on a teacher when you were growing up?
1: Um, I had a crush on authority when I was growing up. So <laughs> <laughs> I probably had a crush on all of my teachers. Um, I don't know. I didn't have any dude teachers. I just had. it was all women. So, you know, I had like really, women yeah. What about you?
0: I had, I, in high school, I had a big crush on my social studies teacher.
1: Oh, did it go anywhere?
0: Know. <laughs> it, Eli it did not. <laughs> have you seen the ads for that show? What the, um, Mara, Mara Rooney, Mm -mm. Rooney Mara. No, wait, what's the, what's her sister's name? Something Mm -mm. Mara. I don't know. She was the one in house of cards, but it's called the teacher. And she has a relationship with one of her students Mm. guys. It's 2020. I don't think we need that show.
1: And is it like glorifying it?
0: Um, it's like, it's a hot romance.
1: Ew. No, we don't need that. We don't need that.
0: Yeah. Did you ever watch pretty little liars? No. Okay. Well, one of the main storylines there was that the, one of the girls in high school was sleeping with the English teacher and they were trying to make it like, Mm -hmm. isn't this sexy? And it was like, you guys, this is illegal. This is bad. Like that man belongs in prison. Anyway, (laughs) luckily the teacher in my girl is not a perv. Uh, And I think that the dynamic they have between those two characters is really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Veda has this huge crush on her teacher, her, I think it's a sixth grade teacher. No, less than that. But she signs up for a writing class um, and she shows up and she reads a poem about ice cream. That's a the poem an 11 year old would write about ice cream and he gives her actual feedback on what he's looking for and what it takes to be a good writer in a fun and surprising way that I really appreciated.
1: Yeah yeah the 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 writing class dynamic of this movie I had kind of forgotten about and it's fun it's it's a summer class it's a bunch of adults it's mostly kind of weird hippies that want to take you know some writing poetry class and she signed up for it because the teach she has got a crush on the teacher and that, like community of odd people all in that class together, really supporting her and like really proud of her for writing her ice cream poems and then proceeding beyond that and writing, you know, better poetry is a very sweet, sweet part of this movie.
0: And I love the addition of the couple of hippies in it. It wasn't like, hey, it's the 70s. We're hitting this over your head that it's the 70s. But having those two people there was like, oh yeah, this was that time in American history where these people were... Uh, prevalent, and they would do something like take a creative writing class, class, and write about tantric sex. Um, uh, why? Why though? Why kill Thomas J?
1: Well, I mean, the movie is about Veda's exposure to death and her inability to understand and accept what it all means and what it is. In large part, because. She's spent eleven her first 11 years of her life just with her dad, who is a terrible communicator and is not very intuitive, doesn't do a very good job of kind of seeing what she's going through. And so she's struggling uh, without really any adult understanding that. Jamie Lee Curtis comes along and sees Veda better than her dad ever did and is a lot more intuitive about that and starts noticing like, hey, actually, this is maybe kind of doing some damage to her maybe we need to keep an eye on this and make sure that you know we're, we're we're helping her process the fact that she lives in a funeral home which is a very strange thing for a child and so i think that i think the thomas j dying and then having to break that to her and her having to kind of go to the funeral and see what that means and then move through that i think is a very it's off, obviously horrible to watch. When Veda yeah. comes down to the funeral and goes up to the front of the casket and melts down, it is tr- it is so hard to watch. And then they pan over to um, Thomas J's parents, who are a wreck watching Veda cry and cry and cry. And I don't know. I just I think that like if you're if you're going to make a movie whose premise is a child with some kind of morbid thoughts and interests that are probably being propelled or inspired by the fact that she's growing up in a funeral home, then at some point, you probably do need her to face death in order to kind of bring that story full circle. And so I just wish that they didn't have to kill Macaulay Culkin, the cutest child actor of the 90s. Could they not have
0: found an uglier kid to kill? (laughs) (laughs) I have a question for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Because as as sad as this movie made me, and it made me really sad, there was some sort of catharsis to it. I think that feeling very sad sometimes is healthy Mm -hmm. and a way to kind of channel some of my frustration. I've heard people say that they enjoy horror movies for that same reason. A horror movie is a cathartic experience for them. And I asked my husband who is a big horror fan, if he would rather watch a really scary movie or a really sad movie and he said every time a really scary movie a really sad movie is more scary to him mm. whereas i would want take a sad movie over a scary movie anytime and i wonder if we all just have a we need different means of medium as catharsis, what's yours?
1: Yeah, I'm more like you. I, I don't find horror films to be cathartic in any way. Uh, they're just like unsettling, and I don't, I don't get much out of them in terms of you know enjoying the horror aspects of it. I do get a lot out of sad films, but uh, I kind of need my sad films to end on a note of hope. If it's just yeah. like straight up hard to watch like that 30 rock parody (laughs) film like that that doesn't do it for me that i don't want to be like depressed and then walk out of a movie and be like well the world sucks i want to watch a movie feel like sadness rush through me learn a lesson from it and like leave it feeling like hope you know and i do think my girl does that pretty well as sad as the the bee dying of bees is and the funeral like the movie does end with her running into his mom later and the mom, you know, giving her the ring and saying like I want you to come and visit me. And like there's sort she kind of gets that that post-funeral scene with the family where you you see the mom like kind of doing okay and and processing. And then the final scene, which I actually really loved and I didn't remember this, is Veda going back to her poetry class, the whole class hugging her and like so happy to see her. And then she gets up and reads a poem that is not an I like ice cream poem, but like sort of expresses that she has actually learned something about relationships and love. And it ends with her just reading that poem. And I think it's very like hopeful and sweet. Veda, Hey! We missed you, man. Come here.
0: I was hoping you'd stop by today.
1: Can't stay. I just came to read my poem.
0: We'd love to hear it. Weeping Willow
1: with your tears running down. Why do you always weep and frown? Is it because he left you one day? Is it because he could not stay? On your branches he would swing. Do you long for the happiness that day would bring? He found shelter in your shade. He thought his laughter would never fade. Weeping willow, stop your tears. There is something to calm your fears. You think death I zero to forever part. And I know he'll always be in
0: your heart. Eli. It's been a real pleasure talking about My Girl with you.
1: Yeah, you too. And I want to tell you, Meg, you should, you should watch the sequel. Because I watched it this okay. weekend. And
0: okay, it's maybe, it's maybe like a, we'll talk about it.
1: It's like a very, it's a very happy sequel. Nobody dies of bees in the sequel. And it also is kind of nice to see because this kid is so conflicted and dark and you know struggling through the first film in the second one she's like 14 and she's like mature and she's really sweet and she's like helping run the family business and they the movie opens with you seeing that she has like not only come to terms with the fact that they live in a funeral parlor but like she and her dad and jamie lee curtis just together are like really happy to be running the family business and they like love working together and it actually is kind of when you come off of like how horrifying some of the first movie is, it is just kind of nice to sit in that and be like, okay, things work out for her. This is fine. (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
0: I also pulled up Macaulay Culkin's Twitter just to remind myself that he was alive. (laughs) So that helped.
1: Macaulay Culkin's Twitter earlier this year, he tweeted something like, um, hey, I just turned 40, feel old yet?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shut (laughs) up, Macaulay. (laughs) We don't need that right now on top of everything else. <laughs> I love it. All right. We will be back next week to talk the crown, the crown. <laughs> uh, until then, please remember to subscribe to the Beehive newsletter, uh, Hivemind newsletter, hivemind.substack.com. Become a member of the Beehive on the membership pi- page. Wow. <sighs> English is a tough language to speak. Membership page of beehive.com. Please remember to leave us a good rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And we will talk to you later.
1: We need Macaulay Culkin to die of bees.